0: Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both
1: on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends, to the BJJ Brick Podcast. This is episode 265. This week we have Romero Jacare Kovacanchi, Uh, I'm here with my good buddies Gary and Joe. Gentlemen, let's briefly exchange pleasantries. How are you today, Byron and Joe? I'm doing well, thank you very much. I am also doing quite well, thank you guys.
2: That is great, we're all doing well. I'm happy for that.
1: (laughs) That's how we always start the show, by a brief exchange of pleasantries, so why not just call it out like it is? Uh, And there we go. (laughs) An awkward uh, beginning. But, yeah, I'm excited about this show. Uh, legendary uh, grappler, uh, legendary person in the community of Jiu Jitsu, uh, founder of the Alliance Jiu Jitsu team. You could say, arguably, the best Jiu Jitsu team uh, that there's been, uh, you know, if you add up all the awards and that sort of thing. So, uh, amazing accomplishments. Some of the top grapplers uh, that y'all think of when you think of amazing grapplers have come out of the Alliance system. And, and uh, he talks a lot about building that team and a lot about kind of what's going on behind the scenes and, and what he looks for. And then, uh, I of course, I wanted to talk to him about, like, the non-competitor side of jiu-jitsu and, and how he builds that part of his team and, and, and what that what that means to him. And sure enough, even, you know, a successful competition team like Alliance, it's most people don't compete. Most of the people are there having a good time learning jiu-jitsu and, you know, working full-time jobs and, and having families and that sort of thing small percent compete, but they are doing very well when they do it. So I just think he's, he's a fascinating person and an honor to get him on the show.
0: You know, he's been doing jujitsu so long. He probably doesn't even remember his first year in jujitsu, but, uh, I remember mine and I remember that it was a little bit overwhelming. There was a lot to learn. Of course, this was back in the days before audiobooks, but nowadays we live in a, in a day and age where you can get an audio book to help you with your first year in BJJ. Uh, Byron, would you know anything about that?
1: Yeah, I have actually constructed an audio book about your first year of BJJ. It's a little over two and a half hours long. It's eleven ninety nine. The money goes and helps support the show and keep it growing strongly. And uh, I really hope to help get you through some of those hurdles that, that are some common things that people get presented with their first year. Um, uh, you know, the first chapter, find the right gym, uh, all the way up to if you want to compete, uh, kind of rounding out the book there. So it covers a wide spectrum of of, uh, different topics that you'll run into your first year. Uh, I think one of the more important chapters is, is based on techniques and focusing on the right thing and listen to the Jacare interview here coming up in a few minutes and they have a beginner's course, which is awesome. You know, so if you're in Jacare's beginner's course, the technique portion may not be such a big deal because he's got those focus on, but a lot of schools don't run beginner's courses. And so you walk in your first day, you learn the spider guard sweeps, you're like okay, well this is tricky. I kind of got figured out a little bit, but it never works because you know you're on your second day trying to figure out how to do a spider girl sweep. And so I think really that chapter on focusing on the right things, even amongst things that are important to learn, but maybe a little bit frustrating at the time. Uh, I think that's a that's a key chapter towards finding success and and happiness with your jiu-jitsu and, and realizing yeah I'm, I may not be in a beginners class, but here's some things I need to focus on. Maybe just the the core idea of the technique. Versus worrying about all the little things and trying to get everything perfect—that's further down the road. You need to understand why the sweep works, maybe, or maybe you're, how you're just off balancing somebody. But uh, that's—it's an audiobook that we have. It's much like a podcast, and you'll find a link to it in the show notes where you can get it. And hopefully, it helps you out, my friends. We have off-the-mat lessons. A lot of times we'll drag them onto the mat and kind of explain them and talk to them about something that we've observed in real life and and how that could translate to jiu-jitsu. This one we're doing in reverse. A jiu-jitsu lesson that I'm able to drag off the mat and talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what you might have learned from that example or situation that you could take off to your regular life. Doing jiu-jitsu this morning. Had a great time. Uh, We were doing a... uh, a spider guard uh, kind of situation where you obtain spider guard, uh, do some stuff, and then end up getting Uma Plata. Uh, really nice uh, sequence that we were doing. It came time to roll, and I grabbed a guy named Brian, and he he goes into Spider Guard. I'm like, sweet. And he starts looking like he's gonna set up Uma Plata. I'm like, you know, perfect. You know, I even said, hey, this is awesome. You know, you're doing great. But I'm still fighting him, I'm still working. And right when I got to get ready to defend the Maplata, he slapped on a triangle. <laughs> it's like, oh, like he just outsmarted me. Like I was looking one way and he went the other way, and it wasn't because he had just tried four tr- four Maplatas in a row. It was the kind of the pretext of what had happened earlier in the day that had me thinking that. And it was like I was I was looking left and he went right, and it was it's kind of funny and just goes to say and he said he told me afterwards like i do a triangle from there that's that's what i like to do from there so it wasn't like he was doing unusual for himself it was just my head wasn't in the correct game that he was playing and i just think that was a good situation where i was thinking in the box and and he was really thinking inside of his own box but those boxes didn't really match up that well and i think anytime that you are are certain something's going to happen and it doesn't happen. It kind of throws you for an extra loop, and, and acknowledge that what's happening, and and hey, I'm not having to defend a different plot anymore. I'm having to defend a different triangle, which is great. But um, I think that could happen to us in real life. We could all be expecting, you know, this to happen to us, and have like very little defense and be very caught off guard if something else happens to you. It's funny you mentioned that, Byron. I was rolling the other day,
2: and a lot of the guys I roll with, when we get north south and we hit that Kamora, if they're defending their arm and we're having trouble getting the camora the majority of the guys i train with fall to their hip and uh fall to fall to their hip pull the guy up into a turtle put a foot on the hip and finish a camora from there and that's probably what 90 percent of us do where you know my gym that we train and um there's another guy who trains with us and, and he really likes the arm bar from that position but I had just defended three or four triangles from that position. And, and I'm going with this guy who's, uh, you know, only been training a year and, you know, I'm all ready to defend and I was going to pass and, you know, re-Kamora him off the pass, but, um, he fell back for an arm bar and I fell in the same position. And, uh, you know, I was so happy that he hit it with me. It's, you know, I, I just was, you know, short sighted. I, I just thought everybody was going to do the same thing. And, uh, Same thing. He outsmarted me. And uh, it was a cool time on the mat. And I definitely learned something from it. And, you know, I got to keep an open mind and realize that there's different paths we can take from each position. And I need to be aware of all of them.
0: was a good, good lesson, Byron. Uh, I like it. It's uh, easy sometimes to project your game onto somebody else. And you just assume that this is because what you do, that's what they're going to do. But, man, I like surprises.
1: Yeah. Well, on the mat, they're better than I think off the mat. You know, you a surprise driving somewhere is usually a bad thing. <laughs> but that's why we are seatbelts. You know, you got to be safe. Uh, you got to be anticipating something that could happen that's not uh, on the plan. So good job on my friend Brian for for sneaking up on me and, and throwing up a triangle when I was expecting a, a plata. But uh, it was cool.
2: You know, the one thing you said, Byron, is that Brian outsmarted you. Absolutely. And I was about to interject, but I thought I'd let you finish. But I don't think that's too hard to do.
1: <laughs> well, well, Gary, like if if you're what is it when, when you're debating somebody and they're making the case for you, you don't let them you don't interrupt them. You let them go. <laughs> when your enemy is <laughs> destroying themselves, you let them you let them work hard. So <laughs> wise
2: move, Gary. Why, thank you. But uh, I actually wasn't very smart. So I was not thinking the way you were thinking that I'm going to let you destroy yourself. So, you know, I lost on that one. I, I wasn't. <laughs> I, I anticipated my move, not your move.
1: You got to think where the puck's going to be, not where the puck is, Gary. That's a, that's a famous quote by Wayne Gretzky. Is it really? Yeah. I like it. We have another quote, though. Who's this one from? Well, the quote of the week is from Thomas Jefferson. Nothing gives one person so much advantage over another as remaining always cool and unruffled under all circumstances. Man, so some quotes you kind of have to drag them back on the mat and like really get them get them to fit. No, this is great for jujitsu. If if you could remain calm and cool and collected the entire time you're grappling that's you're you're going to do well i mean a you're engaged in the thinking process and you're doing well but like i think this one is more talking about the the psychological warfare that's happening on the mats
2: well remember when you first started we really didn't know the different positions we're getting into we didn't know when we were in trouble so i i can tell you when i first started I was not calm cool or collected anytime somebody touched me I was you know stiff spazzing out muscling way too much Uh, you know I was not uh, unruffled Um, I was ruffled more like under every circumstance and you know as time went on I learned you know hey let's stay calm cool and collected I could roll a lot longer I made a lot less mistakes and I had a lot more fun
0: yeah, I think jujitsu kind of teaches you this lesson in two different ways. One of them, Gary, is like you're saying—that's that's the most obvious way—and and the way that we get taught every day is when you're rolling with people who are bigger, stronger, better than you, whatever the case may be, and, and you're put in really uncomfortable positions, and you got to not panic, and and you got to just stay calm and look for solutions. But another way that that we learn this lesson in jujitsu is. Sometimes you have uh, a tough night all around and another tough night all around. And sometimes it's easy to sort of lose your cool and get out of sorts just because it can get frustrating. You know, you. you in fact, we had a an email from a listener earlier today. I don't know if you guys saw it, but, you know. He's a little frustrated because he's been doing jujitsu for a couple of years and he's training with just a few training partners and he doesn't feel like he's getting any better. And I think that's another way that we learn this lesson is we learn to just stick with things and just keep plugging away and uh, you work hard and the results will come. And so and then that's true off the mat as well. Sometimes you're in an occupation, you're at a job where it's not rewards day after day after day. And, and, and you got to struggle and you got to stick with it and, uh, and, uh, let the good times come when it's time for them to come.
2: You know, Joe, you were talking about taking it off the mat and, you know, I'm a big proponent of what I learn on the mat definitely helps me off the mat. Um, but one thing, this quote made me start thinking about, you know, uh, um, always remain cool and unruffled under all circumstances. And I think I do very good job at that on the mat. Um, you know, even if I'm getting beat pretty badly, I stay calm, cool, collected. I know I'm learning. Uh, if I'm in a bad position, I stay calm and cool and collected to hopefully make my way, you know, find my way out of that position. But the crazy thing is off the mat, I find not not at home or like, but at work. Sometimes I've just, you know, just bombarded every direction at work. And I do not stay as calm, cool and collected as I do on the mat. And, um, you know, I need to now... Since we're seeing that quote, I need to f- figure out why I can do it so well on the mat, but I don't do it as well at work. And, you know, it's something, you know, I think I'm a black belt at work. I've been doing it for a long time, uh, you know, I've had a lot of success. But for some reason, I can get ruffled at work and uh, something I need to work on and take my lessons from the mat and make my work life better.
1: Man, a lot of benefits to jujitsu uh, and just kind of highlighting some with the quote there from Thomas Jefferson. Uh, that, that's a great quote. Hey, we got the interview coming up with Jacques Ray. Uh, real quick, I want to mention that the uh, interview ends a little bit abruptly. Uh, what's going on is he's <laughs> waiting for a delivery person to show up and uh, and deliver some stuff. And uh, he's like, I can do it now, but i, I got this guy who, who I don't know when he's going to be here. I said, like, that's, that's great. Let's do it. And uh, he's like, hey, delivery guys is here. I got to go. <laughs> and that was pretty much how it ended. Um, so, uh, i like to say goodbye to Jacques Ray No, i <laughs> But uh, So just heads up, it kind of ends A little bit more abruptly than, than typical And just, um, if you want to get a hold of him Or anything, he didn't get a chance to really say uh, Much of uh, contact stuff I guess he said a little bit of that, but there'll be stuff in the show notes about uh, Following him and, and the team there If that's something that you're interested in So um, just wanted to give you a heads up on that And uh, we'll go ahead and Roll the interview with Jacques Ray He is the most interesting grappler in the world. Ronda Rousey's mom taught him a few judo throws in exchange for some armbar tips.
3: In the finals of his most recent tournament, he was stuck in
1: a triangle. He managed to take a selfie and post it on Facebook before escaping. He can call an IBJJF referee anytime, day or night, to find out what condition his condition is in.
2: Dropped in. See what condition my condition
1: was in. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition
2: was in. I don't always listen to
4: podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. I push
5: my soul. Stay sweaty, my friends. Okay,
1: my friends, I'm happy to bring Homero Jacare Covacanchi to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Jacare, welcome to the show.
4: Oh, uh, thank you very much for having me.
1: Uh, yeah, th- thank you very much for being on here. You're a legend in the sport. Um, uh, Ray, we do have a lot of new people listening to the show. It, could you give us a little bit of an introduction of kind of what you've done and, and, and maybe what you're up to now?
4: Well, uh, I have been doing jiu since I was uh, uh, a kid and up to these days.
1: Your, your belt, your belt rake is eighth-degree black belt, and it's white and red? Yes. Okay. That's correct. Do you remember what year you became a black belt?
4: Uh, the year I became a black belt was in 1982. Uh, and I was the last uh, person to be awarded a, a black belt from uh, House Gracie uh, in 1982. In wow. June, uh, not in June, but a uh, few months before uh, 1982. Wow. In 1982, I'm sorry.
1: Uh, that's amazing uh, experience, and, and and to get a uh, black belt from him, uh, that's got to be an amazing feeling. You're also uh, the founder of Alliance. Tell me a little bit about yeah. that.
4: Well, uh, after I graduated black belt uh, with halls, I worked with him. I wasn't working with him, helping him out uh, uh, here and there with the kids and and some classes and. Uh, and also uh, some private, but after he passed, I continued to train at uh, with Hickson and uh, Edu Gracie for a little while, and and then uh, that's when I decided to start, you know, my my own school. Uh, it began like uh, Jiu-Jitsu uh, around '85, uh, 1985. And then uh, once I started to graduate, uh, my students, Fabio Gozio was my first black belt awarded in 1989. And a few other guys, uh, in 1992, we decided to form a team called the Alliance.
1: Arguably the most successful jiu-jitsu team that there is. What was that like building that team and, and what happened kind of behind the scenes that we don't all know about?
4: Well, you know, everything uh, was very natural. Uh, we started to have, you know, uh, a good competition team on top of uh, some of the guys uh, uh, opening their own schools. And we decided uh, to form a team to compete under uh, one flag. And that's when we decided to form the alliance. And is. Uh, up to these days, is the most successful team. We won eleven world championships, nine consecutive, and many other titles such as Brazilian Championships, European Championships, uh, Pan American Championships, and and other and other titles.
1: Uh, Jacques Ray, looking back at at the history of, of Alliance, what were you guys doing differently? than the other teams to, to find your success?
4: Well, I don't think we're doing anything different. It just happened that, uh, we have a really good work ethics and, uh, we have been forming a lot of people, uh, uh, such as Marcelo Garcia and, and, uh, uh, Cobrinha and uh, Lepre and all these guys, we provided the right environment for them to train and to succeed. And they have uh, their own style. And the Alliance, if you look at our main fighters, they don't have one specific style, but they have different styles. And we also have uh, implemented a very good methodology. And this way, uh, we are able to replicate that in our association, in our schools, providing the best environment for the guys to learn and and teach BJJ.
1: Most people there uh, competing or do most people that go to uh, an alliance school there, especially the one in Atlanta, are most of them just doing this for fun and only a few people compete?
4: Yes, that's correct. Uh, Only uh, maybe uh, 10% or less of our students compete in tournaments. But, you know, the majority of the guys that go to our schools are looking for the top jiu-jitsu to learn, you know, uh, learning uh, the whole uh, deal, such as self-defense and the regular jiu-jitsu. And, you know, after they, uh, they, they, they start, you know, to train with us, they can't, you know, decide if they want to compete or if they just want to train, you know, for fun, uh, uh, fitness, and, and self-defense, and etc.
1: For your competitors, w- was there different classes for them to take, or were they training with everybody um, all the time?
4: Well, no, we have our specific methodology, you know, implemented in the majority of our schools. We have about 220 schools affiliated with us uh, from China to South America. We have uh, many, many schools that uh, teach uh, Alliance Jiu Jitsu. And of course, you know, uh, we divide our students in levels. We have the fundamentals program for the, the beginners. Guys from uh, zero to 60 class, and then we have our intermediate program uh, where we have uh, people from 60 class to 150 class. And in this class, uh, when the guys start to, to spar and to be introduced you know, uh, to, the, to the training, to the hard training, and after they become uh, blue belts. They can go to any class. We also ha- have our kids program, no gear program. And recently in Las Vegas, just the past weekend, we launched our competition program for the schools that want to have, you know, these uh, this type of uh, training. And this way, you know, with these methodologies in place, we guide our guys, our students, and our instructors to teach the way we teach at the Headquarters in Atlanta, Sao Paulo, and Rio de Janeiro. Hey,
1: Jacques looking at, at your class structure, it, it's, it sounds amazing. Um, a lot of instructors out there don't have as many students in their uh, facilities. Is it, is it wise? I mean, I, I, obviously it's, it's wise. W- what are the benefits to having a, a class? That's designed for the fundamentals for somebody who's gone to sixty or less classes, and, and how does it help them uh, better understand jiu-jitsu versus just throwing them in there with everybody else?
4: Well, because uh, you cannot throw, you know, someone, let's say in college, you know, you don't begin, you know, people uh, in any type of schools doesn't matter if it's college, volleyball, uh, soccer, football, uh, in the competition uh, class. They have to start, you know, from the beginning, learning, you know, how is gonna be their journey, guiding the guys uh for the first steps and we show all the basics, all the self defense. The guy's not just putting any type of class and then learn, you know, three or four techniques and that's it. You don't do this in the army, you don't do this in college, in high school or anywhere else. So we start, you know, from from the basics, from the beginning. And that's what we do. We start from the beginning, from the basics. After the students uh, reach a certain level, we move them to, to an intermediate level. And after that, we move them to the advanced class. And once they are in the advanced class, we have a competition class slash advanced so if the guys want to you know compete they have to go through that routine of competition if they don't want to compete and they already you know purple belts or or blue belts or brown belts they just train in the advanced class Makes sense
1: yeah that, that does make sense and uh it, it sounds like a mm-hmm. great way to to break things down so that everybody is mm-hmm. in the most uh learning environment mm-hmm. that they could be in
4: Mm-hmm. That's absolutely correct. You know, it doesn't matter the size of your school. Once you structure your programs, you're going to grow. You're going to have, you know, students in all levels. And one level start to feed the other level. And that's how it works. You know, we start in, let's say, like I said before, in any school, uh, level one. And then you go level two, level three, level four. And, and, and then, you know, you finally graduate. In jiu-jitsu, you never graduate, you know. You continue <laughs> to train and evolve. There is not such an end, you know. Like in college, you receive your degree. You go to be a doctor. You go to be an uh, engineer or lawyer. In jiu-jitsu, you get your black belt, but you continue to train, you know, until your body, you know, says, okay, or you never, you never stop. You're going to the end.
1: Jacqueray, what are some of the keys to stay on the mat as, as the years go by?
4: Oh, okay. It's the way you train. is the way that you take care of yourself. You know? Jiu-Jitsu is a lifestyle. So if you are overweight, you need to lose weight. You need to be uh, in shape for Jiu-Jitsu the best way you can. You need to feed your body, uh, nourishing uh, with uh, good stuff. And after a certain age, you know, you don't uh, you try to eat as many uh, junk food as possible. Uh, have a good routine, you know. If you hurt, you know, you have to respect your limits. You have to sometimes do uh, some physical therapy, do more techniques instead of hard training. And and uh, I just keep training, uh, trying to improve and I'm not trying to prove, you know, and, and, and compete, you know, with, uh, with the other students. You have to compete with you in order to evolve and in, in order to, to get better.
1: When in your journey did you start thinking about that?
3: Well, uh,
4: in the beginning, you don't have much control because, you know, if you're young, you want to go all hard and you want to train really hard. But your body, sometimes it starts to dictate the pace, you know, if you have an injury and then you have to stop for a little while, take care of your knee, do a lot of physical therapy, do a lot of maintenance, something that, you know, a lot of guys, they don't pay attention and and they they keep training until they break. And then it's too late, maybe they're going to have, you know, uh, something more serious or they have to stop, you know, for a long time. And then some of these guys they don't have uh, enough uh, drive to come back and train. But you know, if you have the drive to keep going, to keep training, and that's that's the way you should go. Uh, remember, the percentage of the uh, practitioners that uh, uh, get to the black belt is is very 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 slim. So for this reason, you know. Uh, you need to learn how to train, and you, uh, you need to learn how uh, to take care of yourself and to self-motivate you to, to train and exercise in a
1: regular basis. jean do you know how many black belts you've given away?
4: Man, uh, for sure it's more than 200 black belts because <laughs> I have been teaching since 1985. Among, you know, some of them are, you know, uh, the Notorious uh, of Fábio Alexandre Paiva. uh, um, Man, uh, so many uh, that I graduate, you know, uh, I have been uh, working in Atlanta for 22 years, and I have a a bunch of uh, black belts, uh, some of the guys like Chris Moriarty and Ian, uh person they competed a lot Alec uh, Balding Jonathan uh, his nickname is Macajal and many other guys and some of my Black Bells they don't they don't like to compete they just like to train they go to the school in a regular base and they keep training up to these days and in Brazil I, I graduated a lot of people I formed a lot of a lot of champions part of the team uh, of the Alliance, uh, we had, you know, uh, as everybody knows, a break, and they formed other teams like Jack Mat, Leozinho, his brother Ricardo Vieira, and, and then we also have Braza, and, and, but they all came from one place, that was the old uh, Jacare Jiu-Jitsu school, or Alliance school, subsequently, and, and and this way uh, I lost count on how many black belts I really graduated.
1: Yeah. What is the difference between uh, a brown belt one day and a black belt the next? I guess the other way to say it is what do you look for when you're giving somebody a black belt?
4: Well, you know, you have to look at the total patterns. You know, uh, first the guy must have integrity. The guy must be training hard, you know, for many years. And you have to make sure that, you know, when you give a black belt away, you know, is a big responsibility because that guy can, be, uh, can, can, can become uh, an instructor. And then uh, only being a black belt doesn't mean that you are automatically an instructor. You have, you know, to do, like I said, you know, the course, you know, the methodology course that we have. You need to you need to shadow uh, uh, all myself or one of my guys, you know, for years uh, before you become an instructor or you know uh, 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 a professor or black belt professor. But other than that, you know, the guy must uh, have all the qualities that the black belt uh, needs to have. Like I said before, you know, integrity and character. And, and everything else.
1: I've got a, a question from one of our Patreon supporters, Paul. He, he was asking about you moving to California and what your plans are mm-hmm. there.
4: Well, my plans are, uh, right now, uh, continue to work with jiu-jitsu. I left uh, Leon Nogueira, that is a uh, two-time world champion and many times uh, uh, Brazilian and European champions. European champion, I'm sorry. Uh, so he he was in Atlanta with me for three years, uh, teaching, learning, shadowing me uh, in a regular base. And now finally, after forty years, you know, uh, maybe thirty years or plus, you know, uh, teaching every day in a regular base, morning, afternoons, and evenings. I decided to uh, relocate to California to be uh, close to the beach and to try to expand my association that I have a father and Alexandre Paiva as partners, uh, develop the methodology course a little bit more, expand the association with quality from 220 schools to about maybe 500 to 600 schools in the next five years. And teach a few seminars here and there, but still going to Atlanta uh, every other month and spend a week over there teaching and overseeing uh, the the school uh, and uh, continue, you know, to evolve and help jiu in general.
1: You talk about growing and, and getting more schools. If somebody's listening and they have a school that would be interested in becoming one of those, how would they do that?
4: Well, they can, uh, contact me, uh, through my, uh, uh, association. Okay. Alliance, uh, AllianceBJJ.com is my website or they can contact me, uh, over, uh, uh, my school in Atlanta, uh, 770-458-9825 or they can contact, uh, one of my managers, uh, Ricardo Calloy or Adam Shields. Uh, I don't have their, uh, uh, email address right now, but they can always send me a message, send me a message on Facebook, uh, through messenger or WhatsApp or whatever. Yeah. And I immediately can get in touch with them and, uh, guide them, you know, to the managers, and uh, this way they can interview the guys and see uh, what they need and try to accommodate their needs.
1: Well, that, I, I like how you, you talked about you try to see what they need and how uh, you can accommodate them and help them. That's such a, a great attitude to have uh, towards serving people.
4: Yes, absolutely, because, you know, uh, first, you know, we need to see, you know, if what they are uh, looking for is what we offer. So we're trying to to open uh, some of our methodology uh, course, you know, uh, to other schools to help, you know, people in general. It's better to to have people... uh, uh, doing jiu-jitsu and teaching jiu-jitsu the proper way, the way that we think is correct, than to not uh, teach, you know, like uh, we have a bunch of schools not teaching absolutely correctly or guiding their students in the wrong direction.
1: So you've talked about the, the methodology course. Uh, what is that? Describe to me what that involves.
4: Well, involves for instance you know uh, the person goes to your place and he never teach uh, I mean uh, uh, learned jiu Jitsu before so the first relation that he makes between uh, jiu Jitsu and anything else is not uh, throughout the competition but is uh, the self-defense relation and then we we teach uh, three intro class where the guy is going to learn some of the basic principles in Jiu-Jitsu. And after that, you know, he's put in a a program that we call Fundamentals. So uh, he goes uh, in that program over 25 lessons consecutive. And then we repeat these lessons for about uh, 60 uh, 60 times. So the three uh, first class are one-on-one. Uh, Private, and after that he's put in a group class. At the end of the class, after he learn, you know, all the techniques that is in the lesson, uh, he do a lot of role play, a lot of drills. He's not really training sparring for real, but training with his partner the moves that he's been learning, you know, uh, in the class. and this way, we try to replicate the scenarios that he's gonna face in the intermediate program, when he's going to be introduced to the live sparring. So this program contains about 30 classes, repeated three times, okay? And after that, the guy's going to be tested for his blue belt. In this class, we teach every day a different subject, such as passing uh, the open guard, defending uh, the mount position, attacking side from the side, half guard, and all the, all the stuff that you need to learn, you know, to build your game. And this sparring is not so hard is maybe, you know, uh, uh, 20 minutes total in the class. And after that, when the guy becomes a blue belt, then the class, you know, turns much, much harder because he's going to be training with all the blue belts, purple belts, and etc.
1: So they're sparring in the... In the first 60 classes, or is that the next, the, the next 60 no, to one hundred?
4: No, in the first 60 class, the guys, they don't spar. Okay. They just, you know, do drills, and they do repetition of techniques. Let's say, you know, uh, uh, you start uh, jumping uh, guard, or you start in some self-defense, such as escape from a headlock. And then we build, you know, a drill. After that, you know, how you're going to do it. And then you do it each other, but not like uh, sparring, you know, like you're sparring in a regular class. Just doing the techniques, you know, uh, uh, whole, play, uh, whole play, you know, training, you know, the lessons that happens uh, every day. And that's the way you, you will start to be introduced to the sparring parts. But after 6 p- class, you know exactly how to escape your hip. Uh, you don't make the mistake to try to choke the guy from inside the close guard. You you learn, you know, how to stand up properly. You learn, you know, how to fall. You learn, you know, everything, you know. You learn a bunch of valuable self-defense. And then, you know, after that, 60 times, uh, you're ready to go to the next level. That is the sparring part, you know. And then you learn one subject per class. And after you, you train the techniques, just like in a regular class, you're going to do, uh, let's say, four rounds of five minutes or a specific training, passing, defending the guard, or whatever you know is in the program or in the mind of the instructor for that day.
1: And then the, then your blue belts and up are all lumped together. Uh, so you have about five uh, or four or five-minute rounds for the kind of intermediate level. Once you get to the next class, how many... How much time has it spent rolling?
4: Well, you know, the class normally lasts one hour and a half to two hours, okay? And then, you know, uh, the guys in uh, regular base, they train, you know, for about one hour or at least, you know, 45 to 50 minutes of, uh, of, of sparring on top of doing all the drills, all the techniques, all the uh, warm-up, and et cetera.
1: Oh, that's it! Sounds like a great system you have to build. <laughs> Obviously, mm-hmm. build these amazing athletes.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Looking at uh, most people that train, we're not training to become uh, world-class athletes. We're just training, and we're enjoying it. Maybe for self-defense, maybe for fun. Uh, there's a number of reasons mm-hmm. why people are out there, but most of us can't come in every day and train. Um, Ray, what advice do you have for somebody who can only train maybe one or two, or maybe three times at most a week? How could they get the most out well, of their time?
4: That's the majority of the students in our school. They train, you know, two or three times a week, you know. Uh, uh, some guys, they train, of course, you know, every day. But the majority of the guys that have a regular job, you know, they train, you know, two or three times a week. And, you know, they just go and they just train and they just have fun. And they train, you know, hard like everybody else. But, you know, if the guy really want to compete and then it's different, then the guy trains, you know, a minimum of five to six times a week on top of doing some conditioning, on top, on, on top of, you know, uh, going to the class that we consider competition class. And, and this way, you know, the guys, they train, you know, uh, a little bit harder than the majority of the guys. But, you know, there's no secret. The guy just needs, you know, to enjoy the journey, to go to the school, you know, in a regular base. Don't try to, like, uh, prove anything, but try to just improve every day. And he don't need to look uh, at how uh, his partner are evolving, but how he's evolving. That's, That's the beauty and that's the secret for the guy to have fun
1: yeah that's that's big look inside uh, don't try to compare yourself to everybody out there. Uh, why is it so important to have fun and enjoy this?
4: Well because like anything else you know if you don't have fun if you enjoy, if you don't enjoy what you're doing you know it's hard for you to motivate yourself to continue so uh, you have to really be uh, uh self-motivated. Uh, to be doing something every day, like a lonely runner that, you know, every day he goes to the beach and he runs, you know, for miles and he's having fun. He's enjoying. But, you know, the majority of the people, they need a good group of people to train, a good environment, a positive environment, an environment that, you know, uh, he's surrounded by uh, really good instructor and by positive people. Uh, Not, you know, that type of people that, you know, goes over there uh, and try to train hard, to hurt people, to prove something, to do something that, you know, uh, is going to disrupt the class. But on the contrary, you know, the environment must be nice, must be fun. You know, everybody must have good vibes at the end of a hard practice, you know, sit on the side, talk to each other. Uh, do a few things together, maybe uh, go to the fights uh, together or, you know, uh, do a barbecue together. People in Jiu-Jitsu, they become family, you know, they become friends. They have a bond, you know, that lasts uh, for the rest of their life. I can uh, assure you that my best friends that I found, I found through Jiu-Jitsu.
1: You're such a unique person because you have so much experience on a different level, as far as uh, coaching, uh, you, like elite athletes, and helping and promoting so many people to black belt, it, it's really an amazing honor to have you on uh, here.
4: Thank you so much. Uh, me and my driver just stopped by. Okay, I'm so sorry for you running around, but any time that you need, you know, please, you know, give me a call. It Was an honor to to be a part of this uh, show. And I'm looking forward, to you know, uh, to speak with you in the
1: future. Thank you so much, Jacare, for your time. Good thank luck. you very Good much. Good luck getting your driver flagged down. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay. Yes, I'm trying to find a parking space for him to deliver my stuff. Thank okay. you so much. Have a great day. Thank evening. you
1: so much, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to thank Homero Jacare Covacanchi for the interview. Uh, truly an honor to have you on the show this week and uh, to learn from somebody that's accomplished as much as you've had. I'm I'm not just interested in uh, high quality jujitsu, which he has, but he's also built one of the one of the top teams ever in jujitsu. So I would I mean I would really be interested in talking with any elite coach of any sport, and I think we could put them on this podcast, and I think we'd all gain value to that. But you find uh, a very elite coach of jujitsu, and uh, it's it's perfect fit, and so we'll look to get him on the show again in the future, but. Uh, just, just a wealth of information. Somebody who is out there, you know, actively still working, but has also had uh, like a track record that's unbelievable. So, uh, thanks so much for being on the show, Jacques Ray. And if you enjoy the interview, uh, tell your friends about it and, and share this episode with them. If you think, some, if you think that's something that they would enjoy, uh, share it online, send them a, a text, or just tell them to go bejibick dot com, and and uh, it should be up near the top if it's within a week or two of it being released. If not, just search for Jacques array interview on there and uh, it'll pop right up. We have a search bar on the website. Guys, we're super high tech. We have our own search bar. Can't beat that. We're like a little mini Google.
0: We're, we're so high tech, we actually have an app as well. So. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, if, if you like the show and you want to make sure you get every episode, you can always download the app to your phone. And uh, it also has a search function, so you can uh, go back and listen to all your favorite
2: episodes. Yep, I mean, we're so high-tech. Not only do we have a, a Facebook page, a uh, website address, and a YouTube channel. So definitely check us out on our YouTube channel. You may learn how to grill a cheese sandwich.
0: I actually I actually think I saw Byron made a, uh Instagram post for the podcast. Did you do that this week, Byron?
1: Yes, I did. We do have Instagram.
2: <laughs> that is high-tech. And don't forget we're on Twitter, too. Yeah, we don't tweet much.
1: <laughs> but, uh, we like yeah. we like talking with you guys online and that sort of thing. So wherever you're at, that's where we want to try to be. The easiest yeah, we, way, most consistent way is to message us on Facebook, on our Facebook thing. And usually two out of three, if not all 3 we'll see that. You know, the crazy thing is we've got to know a lot of our listeners from Facebook.
2: And one guy we've got to know actually came down for our... Uh, Uh, BJJ Brick event is our good buddy Andy Dickey and what's Andy got going on this week guys yeah
0: so uh, Andy shot me a message the other day every now and then he just sends me things kind of at random and they're always fun and he sent me a quote uh, from a movie from the movie uh, with Billy Crystal and the movie is City Slickers Uh, Byron you got a clip can you play that clip for us real quick
1: so here's a clip of Billy Crystal he's at his kids school and talking to a bunch of children kind of like a career day type of thing and he kind of loses his mind you know like as he's trying to describe what his job is it's not really rewarding and he's you can tell he's frustrated so then he goes into this little rant
5: (laughs) value this time in your life kids because this is the time in your life when you still have your choices and it goes by so fast when you're a teenager you think you can do anything and you do your 20s are a blur 30s you raise your family you make a little money and you think to yourself what happened in my 20s 40s you grow a little pie belly you grow another chin the music starts to get too loud one of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother 50s you have a minor surgery you'll call it a procedure but it's a surgery 60s you'll have a major surgery the music is still loud but it doesn't matter because you can't hear it anyway the 70s you and the wife retire to fort lauderdale start eating dinner at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You have lunch around 10, breakfast the night before. Spend most of your time wandering around malls looking for the ultimate soft yogurt and muttering, how come the kids don't call? How come the kids don't call? The 80s will have a major stroke. You end up babbling with some Jamaican nurse who your wife can't stand, but who you call Mama. Any questions?
1: Yeah, kids, any questions? <laughs>
5: Yeah, so Andy Andy sent me that quote.
0: And uh for the listeners that don't know Andy personally, he's in his sixties and uh still a very active uh jujitsu practitioner. Uh, I love I really enjoyed training with him when he was in Wichita with us. But uh he sent me this quote and uh I just thought, man, I could write a blog post or a short article about that and and so so I went to work on it and, and I didn't share this uh clip or write this article to remind people that, uh, hey, this is as good as it's going to get. It's all downhill from here. (laughs) That's that's not really the point. But the the point is that as we get older, our jiu-jitsu won't be the same five years from now as it is today. And five years after that, it's going to be even different. In fact, if you look at Byron, he's about 10 years younger than Gary and I, and and Andy's 10 years older. So all of us are in different places in jiu-jitsu. But that doesn't mean that it can't be Good. It'll be different five years from now, but it can still be good. It might even be better. And really, the point is just to to value where you are now. Don't don't waste your time looking back and, and thinking I should have started sooner. I should have gone to more classes when I was in my thirties. I should whatever. And, and don't get overly concerned about you know in five years I'm not going to be as athletic as I am. And uh, is there really a point in continuing? You know, I'm gonna be sixty when I get my black belt or whatever just enjoy today and uh, make the most out of it make the most out of every role make the most out of every class you go to every tournament that you can compete in and i I think that's all i was really trying to uh communicate and i'm sure that's why andy shared it with me so uh, hopefully this will uh be encouraging and inspiring to our listeners
2: you know the one good thing about jujitsu is Billy Crystal talks about your 40s. You grow a little pop belly and you grow another chin. The good thing about jujitsu, it's going to help us burn some calories and maybe keep that pop belly a little smaller and one less chin because uh, we definitely don't want to be choked out anymore.
1: Yeah, I thought the 40s were when one of the uh, girls from high school is already a grandmother. <laughs> I thought that was the 30s. Okay, <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Gary, we don't know what kind of high school you went to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know th- this this uh, article really hits point hits hits it home with me. Is you know me and Joe we're we both in our young 50s there, and uh, I tell you, I don't think Joe and I feel like we're 50 and uh you know i know joe's out there skateboarding uh, i still feel like i'm 18 as joe and uh, byron say with the jokes i'm always saying but um You know i think jujitsu keeps me young you know my knees may hurt a little bit every now and then but they'd be hurting just as bad if not more if i was running you know i'd be doing something and uh you know jujitsu is great i I love the people i hang out with and i've met on the mat It, it keeps my brain you know sharp it keeps my muscles strong it keeps my cardiovascular system doing well and uh You know, it's just really good points, you know, um, just, just value your time on the match. Don't get so caught up and thinking, boy, I wish I would have started, or I wish I would have trained more. You know, I personally think I'm a better grappler today at 51 than I was at 48, than I was at 49. Um, you know, as Joe said, I, I may not have some of the physical attributes. I, I do get tired a little bit quicker. I do have to watch, you know, my sleeping, eating, hydration, uh, warm-ups, everything like that a little bit more. But, you know, I, I, I enjoy jiu-jitsu more now than I did when I was 35. And, um, you know, I just think that's a good thing. And, you know, when Andy shares stuff like this, when Joe talks about it, you know, sometimes I do forget about that stuff, and you know, I don't. Who am I to compare myself against anybody else? I just need to uh, value my time on the mat, as Andy says, as Joe says, and uh, have fun.
1: Yeah, no matter no matter what stage you are in or starting Jujitsu, um, don't don't. There's no point in looking back with regret on any of that. I, I've interviewed people who started like. You know, as teenagers and said, man, if I had started a few years earlier, I'd be so much better. <laughs> okay. Uh, anybody can say that, but uh, you can't change that. There's no point in stressing about it or even thinking about it. You, you are right now where you're at and uh, and value that time because it is, it is precious. Like, literally, we're able to spend our time doing jujitsu, like – we're not having to go out there and force for food. We're not, uh, you know, in the hospital sick or, you know, with somebody who, uh, you know, at this time in your life, if you're able to go train, that's awesome. Like that's, this is a, this is like a luxury thing that we're able to do and value that. And it should be adding to your life and making a benefit, uh, having, having a benefit for you. But there are a lot of things that could take this and, and change it for you to where, you know, you get fired tomorrow. And so you're out looking for a job and you find a job, but it doesn't pay nearly as well. Maybe the hours are terrible, and you're having to make ends meet for your family, man. I'll bring this down, but uh, but jujitsu could go away for a little while for you. So if you're able to train, go train and enjoy that time that you're able to train, and then look today as a win, even if it training's hard. Byron, I want to take this off the mat real quick. <laughs> okay, here we can. go. Just throwing apples <laughs> on you know, the top rope.
2: No, you know, off the mat, you know, it's going back to, you know, Joe's article, not this article, but another article, which I'll bring in in a second. But you're talking about if we're in the hospital, if we lose a job, you know, the great thing about jujitsu is is an article Joe just wrote about, you know, other benefits of jujitsu, your teammates, the different values they bring to you. If you're in the hospital. I guarantee you, your jujitsu teammates will be there helping you out, helping your family out, you know, bringing meals, uh, cutting yard if it needs to be done. Um, as in Joe's case, he just wrote an article, Joe, I, I hate to say it, but I can't think of your teammates name who helped you, uh, uh, you know, work on your house. What's his name and the name of his company?
0: Yeah, we might as well just, just run with it and do two articles this week, huh?
2: Well, you well, well, let's go with that article. Another or yeah, I don't but know. Yeah, that, I don't know,
0: Byron. You can you can plug it in, huh?
2: Well, um, we'll
1: let's do the next one. Just give him a quick plug, and and uh, yeah, uh, we'll, I just, we'll save that one for next week, I guess. I don't.
2: Yeah, I don't want to rip your your buddy off because he deserves a heck. Of, you know, he deserves a whole time to himself.
0: Yeah, so we'll we'll do a full blown in the next episode. But yeah, I have a, a training partner, uh, Javier San Miguel, and he owns a roofing company. Uh, south of Houston, where I live. And uh, if you've listened to the show, you probably know that I was flooded out by Hurricane Harvey. And we had a horrible experience getting the inside of our house remodeled. We went with, uh, well, basically the only contractor we could get. You know, they were hard to find after the hurricane. And after the interior work, we went with, uh, wanted to do the siding and wanted somebody that we could trust. And so we uh, went with my friend Javier and he put new siding on the outside of the house. And um, yeah, I couldn't be happy with the experience and uh, look forward to talking more about the article next week. And thank you Javier for doing a great job.
2: Yep. Thank you, Javier. And, and that's kind of the point I wanted to make is, you know, even if we do have a setback, um, you know, you're talking about a job there, Byron, let's say you lose your job. I mean, Byron, you got your job as a firefighter through connections with guys that we rolled with. And, uh, it's just, there's so many connections and so many of these people that are on our teams that are going to help us out. that are going to go to bat for us and, and try everything in their power to help you. And that's what makes jiu-jitsu is so cool as as joe and byron like to joke with me that's the best part about jiu-jitsu i say
0: yeah and you know after the flood i mean this is going back a year now but after the flood it was my coach and a couple of my teammates that i mean they came over and put in countless hours helping us gut the house helping us get rid of the junk and um yeah i mean i the jiu-jitsu community is everything for me
2: yeah there it's a it's a community like I've never seen before. You know we're a uh, all s- different set of people, you know, different social circumstances, but we all come together when we're on that mat, and we all get each other's back, and that is just so awesome,
0: so uh, again, I want to thank Andy for share or sharing inspirational stuff with me and sending me messages. I had a good time writing this article. I'm not sure I had as much fun writing this as Byron is having writing his latest audio book, oh um, man. <laughs> when he when he when he shared the title with me uh close encounters of a different kind i was like byron it's not really that kind of show he's like no 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 uh it's a book about surviving alien abductions 5 jiu techniques for surviving alien abductions awesome now, yeah well gary you say it's awesome but from what byron told me he came up with this idea from some of the true encounters that you shared with him so
2: yeah. yeah well you know me and byron have been talking you know how uh, trump is starting his own space force and uh, byron and i we decided you know we're entrepreneurial type of guys and we figured we'd be the first people to uh, you know be experts at how to take out these aliens you know ab- alien abductions with jujitsu and uh, you know Byron ran with it, and uh, Byron started an audiobook, so he's the first person who has it published. And our goal, you know, is to be the official uh, police or official training academy for this new uh, new uh, force. So Byron, tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, th- this book has uh, a lot of research done in it, and I'm not really a big into the aliens type of a guy, but uh, you know, hearing some of the Gary's tales about what happened to him up there is just gruesome so yeah, the probing the is terrible <laughs> some of the it's a lot of it is about what techniques will not work for you like gary one time tried to work a turtle guard on these guys got probed that that it, was bad disastrous so have you ever seen deliverance <laughs> <laughs> was it like that gary
2: it was kind of like that sir
1: and, and the, another alien uh he tried to do a triangle choke He's like, hey, they got huge heads. This will be a great triangle choke. They have almost no shoulders, and they don't really have much of an arm uh, tone. So, even the triangle choke was ineffective against these aliens. And same thing with the rear naked choke. The guy's neck was so skinny. uh, You know, Gary applied the triangle or the rear naked choke, and there was still space left for his neck to rotate freely. And and uh, and at that point in time, the alien just kind of produced some kind of a slime that still to this day. I could smell it on Gary sometimes, and it's not necessarily a positive thing. <laughs> so that's why Gary is sometimes kind of slimy on the mat. But, but it's hard for people to
2: submit me because of it.
1: Yeah, that's true. So you got that going for you, um, and you have a natural affinity. It, it, it's it's so weird. Uh, you know, it's a little bit not in the book, but ever since the he tried to turtle guard the alien, he's been playing turtle guard like crazy. <laughs> He keeps going back to it. But uh, some of the techniques that do work. So these are a little bit unconventional. Like uh, a lot of them, if they're on earth, will have an air an air hose because they can't breathe our air. So there's the hose uh, clamp. That's one of the best ones. It's the same as a choke, and you just got to clamp the hose down. And so we go into different locks that you could do with the hose, and it's much like working a gi. Uh, the worm guard is effective with the hose and that sort of thing
2: are you saying with the hose or hose like h-o-s-e uh,
1: with, with the air hose you get oh, wrap okay. it around and okay that that was one of the more effective things that you typically don't think of inside the box is having to deal with an air cord uh, that an alien can have on uh, wait so what are you doing with the hose and the box well, the hose is outside the box because typically we don't grapple with hoses. So you have to go outside the box, get the hose, clamp it down, and, and starve him of whatever sort of a, a gas he prefers to breathe. Now, these aliens also have the gift of flight. And it appears they can still fly from any, any jujitsu position. They, they don't need to flap any kind of wings or anything like that. I don't know. Maybe their giant heads are producing the, the flight. So if you have obtained... Like mount, basically you have them in guard because they just lift up and flip over, and now you're fighting from guard. So mount's not the best way to, to attack the aliens. Uh, we've discovered that just getting on the back, even if they fly around, uh, it's it's still the best place to be. Well, they probably get
2: tired if they're flying around and you're on their back, so uh, that's probably a good good move. I like your idea.
0: So are these these are not like little green men. These are like Superman type aliens. Is I that mean, what you're saying? I don't
1: know what the rules are with little. I was thinking the little guys with the big heads and the big eyes. uh Turns out they can fly. I've just made that up. Maybe they can't fly. I don't know. What, I don't know what the uh, the lore behind such characters are.
2: Yeah, but you know the one thing Byron figured out. You know when these guys came to town, what would happen is wherever they'd land. They didn't make an octagon. They made a large circle. Yes. Um, some people called it a crop circle, and that was the ring. You had to stay inside the crop circle. So uh, that was one thing Byron didn't realize right off the bat, and he kept getting penalized for fleeing the circle. <laughs>
1: uh, and it was it was at a cornfield, and they found corn cobs everywhere. Gary. And yeah, and a lot of those corn cobs were rotten. So uh, we don't know what happened. To them. <laughs> But uh, the book will likely never be released because it's not actually being made. Uh, Just to tell you what just happened in case you're new to the show. A lot of times at the end of the show, we'll make up a fake audio book and bat it around on the mat until uh, we think we've had enough. Has it had enough, guys, or do you have some more stuff? It's definitely had enough. But the only
2: thing I want to tell you, if you do buy the audio book within the next 30 days, you get a free crop circle jujitsu gi patch. Um, So definitely check it out.
0: Even even though alien grappling is generally no-gi, but uh, <laughs> you, you can have the patch anyway.
1: Yeah, definitely. Hey, uh, here we go. Uh, I'd like to introduce a, a little clip with my friend Jeremy Parrish. All right, my friends, I like to take a little break here and talk about uh, the We Defy Foundation. And we're having a event here in Wichita, Kansas. And I'd like to get the word out. So I'm bringing my friend Jeremy on here. Jeremy, what's happening, my man? Not much you. Uh d- doing good. I'm excited for the uh the seminar and really the whole weekend uh, looks great.
3: Yeah, we you know, we're really excited uh this is our third WeDefy seminar that we'll be doing. Um you know, we've had a lot of luck uh with the past events. Uh you know, we're looking to continue building on that and making this a a bigger and bigger event each year. Um, with that being said, this year, uh, Professor, Professor Gina Franson will be uh, our guest instructor. She is part of you know, the We Defy team, phenomenal black belt. You know, we're, we're excited to have her in um, because she's going to bring a, a unique perspective to our gym. Um, as She is much smaller than our, our average weight. On October 6th, there will be a co-ed seminar. Um, from 10 to 12 and then on October 7th there will be a women's only seminar which will be covering completely different material than the co-ed seminar so if you're a lady and and you're looking at coming up for a weekend it's a you know a, a great opportunity to get two solid days in um, with Professor Franson covering a wide variety of you know jujitsu um, The one thing that's not on the seminar that I did want to talk about or not on the, the flyer is that after the seminar, there will be an hour to an hour and a half open mat after wide afterwards. So, you know, that'll give everybody an opportunity to get some cross training in as well. And then accompanying Gina Franson will be Brian Marvin. He's the president of the We Defy Foundation. So he'll be coming up to, you know, share his knowledge if he can, um, support Professor Franson's seminar, and then also, you know, talk about the We Defy Foundation and what they, they do and how they accomplish that. So it's it's looking to be a really good uh, weekend.
1: Yeah, that looks awesome. Uh, last year I think we had – it was Brian Marvin uh, was up here, and it's just great having him just back even just, just to hang out with and, and get a little bit of Matt time with him. And I'm really excited to meet uh, Gina Franson. I know we've had her on the show uh, a little while ago. She's great to talk to and it. now it's gonna be great to get on the mats. And this will be at Fox Fitness here in Wichita, Kansas. Uh say October sixth and seventh. And this the sixth is the co ed and the seventh is women's only. Is that correct?
3: Correct. And they're both ten AM to noon with a, like I said, an hour to an hour and a half open mat afterwards.
1: Yeah, and you want to do that, so that'll be fun. <laughs> Real quick, uh Jeremy, tell me a little bit about We Defy Foundation.
3: We Defy Foundation is a completely... uh, It's a nonprofit. Um, Their their mission is to help disabled uh, combat veterans um, through jujitsu. So, you know, they uh, sponsor athletes to cover their first year training. And uh, if there is a, a physical disability, um, they also work with that veteran to you know uh, get them a gear that fits them. So you know, dealing with veterans with amputations or or any other disabilities, um, you know they work with them to make sure they get proper fitting uh, training training materials. So that's that's really awesome. Um, you know they're, they've grown very fast. There's a lot of affiliated gyms. Um, if you go to the We Defy Foundation's website, which is wedefyfoundation.com, we um, you're able to look at their affiliated gym. So if you're ever out training, um, or out on vacation and looking to train, you can always check and see, uh, if there's a, a, a affiliated program there. So you know that they kind of work with the veterans and, and, you know the, the the gym is has been vetted by the we Defy, we Defy Foundation
1: That's awesome, so for more information check out WeDefyFoundation.org We'll put a link in the show notes to everything and you can find the information about the seminar there as well We'll put the flyer up and uh, hope to see you guys on the Mass. that'd be awesome So thank you Jeremy for hopping on here and uh, talking about the We Defy event and he's really um, organized this thing here in Wichita. If you're able to get to Wichita we'd love to see you at this event, uh, Gina Franson and, and Brian Marvin, uh, you know, great weekend. The first day is, is a co-ed. Second day is women's only. Uh, We'd like to have you here. Um, Gary, last time the women's only seminar, the wig didn't quite cut it. Um, he got through about 15 minutes and they kicked him out because they figured him out. But he did get a little bit of information. We'll see how Gary does this week. Well, this <laughs> time, time I'm going to make sure to put
2: lipstick on. So uh, I think I got a better, better costume. Pro tip, Gary, shave your legs. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that. Thanks for the tip, Joe.
0: That, that might that might have been part of the giveaway.
1: He typically has them shaved anyway. <laughs> <your legs. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't.
2: I didn't shave them until I got abducted and the aliens did it. So uh, that's what happened.
1: Check out a uh, a link in the show notes, not for any aliens, but uh, for the We Defy information. Uh, I, I do know the, the co-ed seminar is $50. I'm not sure about the the uh, women's only seminar. It might be a little different. I'm not sure about that. But uh, check out the information in the show notes, and we'd love to see you guys there. I'd like to give a quick shout-out to our Patreon supporters. Uh, it means a lot to us that some people have heard the podcast and say, hey, I want these guys to keep doing what they're doing and do uh, even better in the future. And that's really what we're looking at, building a bigger and better podcast. Uh, shout out to Michael, Christopher, and Paul for their continued support. It means a lot to us that uh, that you guys are doing that, and it really helps build this show uh, into what it's become today. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, there's a link in the show notes and uh, a little video describing what it's about. But really, we'll maybe add a, f- a five inch BJJ Brick gee patch and a sticker uh, of BJJ Brick, and uh, kind of as a token of our appreciation for what you're doing for us. And uh, you're also invited if you want to join our private Facebook group. A lot of times we'll, we'll throw on questions. Uh, hey, can have Jacare on. He may have anything you want me to ask him. And uh, that sort of thing. So you get a little bit of behind-the-scenes information and a little bit of access to some, maybe uh, get a question to ask to, a, uh, to one of our guests. So that's always fun. If you want to join the private Facebook group as a Patreon supporter, send me an email with the link to your uh, Facebook page, and I'll get you hooked up. That would be cool. Uh, yeah, so looking forward to getting uh, new members, but man, really thank our continued support from Michael, Christopher, and Paul. Next week, we have an interesting episode, gentlemen, and you have a little time to prepare. Uh, last, So that next week will be our end of the month episode, where we, just, it's, we throw a topic on the table and we talk about it. Chew on it a little while. And last week, uh, episode was wildly successful and everybody seemed to really enjoy it. it. We talked about white belts. And uh, next week why not this end of the month episode talk about blue belts uh yeah so all the blue belts gather around and wait with eager anticipation for next week's episode we're going to be giving advice sharing stories from our own experiences of blue belts and just kind of uh helping you guys out the best we can anyway guys had a great episode really want to thank jacquardy again for for Hopping on here and look forward to learning from him more in the future. Go follow him on social media. And if you're interested in becoming an affiliate underneath him, uh, he gave you some information how to do that. So that would be cool. As always, stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to shower.
0: Train hard, train smart, survive alien abductions. We'll see you on the mats, guys.
1: You got to get out of that crop circle. (laughs) I
2: (laughs) I like that, Joe. Survive alien abductions.
0: Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.